Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And Brett, finally the last week of the season without Arizona football is over. The bye week is in the past. Have you, have you ever been so excited for a latter half of a football schedule as we are right now? It, it's been a while, right? Probably since the Kilo Tate year, I think, when Arizona's like, wait, what do they have here? Maybe this team can win some games. But yeah, coming out of the bye week, Arizona's 4-3. and three. Obviously, they won their last game. They'd lost their previous two. But if you look at the whole, like their previous three games, if you want to add Stanford into the, before that, the fourth game, you know, that they ended up winning, they aren't playing bad football. In fact, you could argue that they were playing their best football the last time we saw them, which certainly getting that win on the road in blowout fashion against a ranked Washington State gives you a lot of confidence that at four wins, like they're not done, that six should be doable, even though the back half of the schedule is not exactly the most forgiving either. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, Oregon State is going to be an even tougher challenge, I think. To you know, We talked about uh, with our friend Rob about how they're so effective against the run, and Arizona's defense thus far has held up quite admirably to even mm-hmm. good against the run. But, you know, I think this is going to be a real test of, you know, it's it's – it's it's something different when it's an Oregon State offensive line and and uh, you know last year's Pac-12 freshman of the year as a running back and they're 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 legit when it comes to running the ball and as we talk about often the ability to control the ground game is what kind of makes or breaks uh, things in this in this mm-hmm. game we call college football. Uh, it's interesting that it's going to be at home. Uh, it's not that interesting. Like that's just the way the schedule. Well, I, better than being in Corv- <laughs> better than being in Corvallis at the, at the late season, <laughs> and I and we'll get more into Oregon State a little bit later. I'm kind of curious, really, to focus on Arizona right now, coming out of the bye, because obviously this is a big game, especially because of how they came went into the bye week. But Arizona, like the expectations are, they're there, right? And when we last saw them, the quarterback was Noah Fafita, and for since Jaden Delora got hurt, Jed Fish has been on the when he's healthy, he's the starter. When Jaden Delora is healthy, he's the starter. It didn't matter what Fafita did. And I was on the Delora train myself. I still think he's a pretty good quarterback. I think they're going to go with Fafita this week. And I say that because Fish's most recent comments from recording on Wednesday, I think of another press conference Thursday, he's gone from JDL is the guy when he's healthy to, well, we got two quarterbacks and we'll see, right? And there's probably some gamesmanship you don't want to tell, you don't need to tell Oregon State who the guy's going to be because teams might prepare slightly differently. But he's been hedging so much. I will see where Jaden's ankle is at. Well, if he hasn't, if his ankle hasn't healed by now, they might as well just amputate the leg at the you know with a few <laughs> games off, a few games off, and the bye week. I would imagine he's healthy. So if they're saying he's not, it's basically an excuse to get Noah Fafita another start. And whereas I'm still very confident that Jaden Delora could be good for Arizona, I'm totally fine with Fafita being the guy going forward, except. Not, not accept. That's not the way I want to frame it. Just understanding that if you make that decision and it has, and Delora knows he's healthy to play, it has big time ramifications for this program and where it's at right now. But 
I think that's where they're going to go. That's going to be Noah Fafita trying to build off what he'd accomplished the previous three games, including the last one. And I think it sets Arizona up for a pretty good game. I mean, I was at the game in Pullman, and JDL was moving around pretty well in the warmups. Maybe ninety-five percent, shall we say? Um, and I was, it was trying easy to, to say this. until he's one hundred percent, he should sit because of the way Fafita's well, playing. He's got to be one hundred percent now. Well, also, it, it, you know. None of us are 100% on any given day, let alone athletes that are getting hit day in and day out, right? Fair. Um, fair. I think that, I think you're right. I think it's going to be Fafita. I think the fan base will be generally embracing of that. Um, I think it was kind of telling when uh, CEO uh, Nafogatotoa, did I say that right? Probably. Uh, on the interview, you know, literally mimed putting a crown on him during his ESPN interview. Like, <laughs> and, and it's, it's not just that Noah won that, you know, was a quarterback in that game and won. He made some big time throws. We talked about last week. He looked real good doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and against a, a really good defense, you know, we always talked about Jaden Delora as being your, your, your best chance to upset one of these teams that's ranked. And your and and but also your player most likely to lose you a game that you shouldn't lose, mm-hmm. uh, and Fafita was kind of the 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 more predictable one. I think he has shown enough that his upside of beating ranked teams is up there. I mean, he obviously know, the potential is there. He beat a ranked team like there's yeah, a and, ranked team on the road and, with him at quarterback, and that's his what second start, right? Um, third. Oh, third, I'm sorry, third. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 not a particularly hard decision if if I'm if I'm Jed Fish. It is. Even though, eh, no, I, not not from necessarily the football standpoint. It's just what it means, right? Like Delora was the guy. He's invested a lot in Jane Delora. There's probably NIL ramifications. I got the poster from the season, like the season, you know, Desert Fury poster on my wall here. Jaden Delora's on it. And it's not like he was playing horrible football when he got hurt. You wanted better. He wasn't playing as well as he did most of last season, but it wasn't like he was going out there throwing four interceptions a game. It happened once, right? Sure. And so it's different because when you when you make that decision to bench the veteran or to sit the veteran because he got outplayed, like, can you make the case that he's been outplayed? Yes, you absolutely can. And if it was purely football and only what happens on the field, I think you're right. It is an easier decision. But in terms of what it does to the locker room, maybe they like Fafita more. Obviously, you mentioned the crowning and everything, and he seems like a really likable guy. But you have a veteran quarterback who you brought in as a transfer, was the incumbent starter, wasn't going to get benched, and then loses his job. You know, based, I don't want to say too injury because if Fafita didn't play well, he wouldn't be keeping the job. But I think there is more to it than just, you know, oh, well, Fafita played well, so he's the guy. I'm not saying it's the not wrong decision. And that's for Jed Fish to manage in terms of like the egos, the personalities, and all that. But in today's era of college football, when you're trying to bring in guys to the transfer portal, it's hard to say, okay, we're going to give you the starting quarterback job. Like, you're my guy. Put all that into him. And it's like, okay, your last season here, possibly your last season here, hit the pine. You've been outplayed. Like, it's it's just not as simple as I think most of us want to make it out to be. That's all. Yeah. So, but this is where I almost think Jed Fish and his experience his 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 uh he contains multitudes of experience at both the pro and college <laughs> level and i and i mean jed fish is a pretty good wordsmith i'm imagining a way where he can spin that into a positive in the sense of yeah when i say the best guy is going to play the best guy is going to play right and i'm gonna i'm not afraid to make that decision and also he can go to a jdl and say you're a snap away from starting the rest of the season right 
Sure. Uh, and so it's it's I think I think it's not I your point is well taken that it's not an easy thing to do because I do think he I think he has a bond with JDL. I think he's been through the ringer with JDL a little bit in the last two years, uh on mm-hmm. and off the field. Like that was his guy. Um but you know, there's a reason he recruited Noah Fafita, and it wasn't just because he wanted to get T Mac and the other the Juice County guys. Well, and right? that's the other point that I'm glad you brought that up because if you go with Fafita, say Fafita is the guy. Now, there's also the idea that if a redshirt freshman is becomes your starting quarterback, what does that do for other quarterbacks in the program to come in and be like, oh, well, that guy's going to be there for the next three years, two, three seasons, and before I get to play. So there's, but again, like if you have a starting quarterback, if you have a high level quarterback, you don't worry about the new quarterbacks, right? Because <laughs> you have one. But it would look well on Fish and his staff for their recruiting, the ability to identify talent and to develop that talent if Fafita becomes their guy and is good, right? Is an upper echelon, high-end, I guess, Big 12 quarterback, as it will be. Because that shows he can identify talent and develop it. So it's not like going with Fafita is a sign of failure. In a way, it's a sign of absolute success, the kind of success you want to see. But in terms of like the best guy will play, yes, you'd love That's what they all sell. But it's not quite that simple because even best guy will play. That's subjective. Right, like what makes sure. them the best? It's there's a lot that goes into it. So if they go with Delora on Saturday, I would understand because, like I said, I think Delora can still be really good for Arizona, but I just don't think that's the way they're going to go based on Fish's comments. How he's gone from JDL's the guy when he's healthy to well, we got two good quarterbacks and we'll see. Like that's it'd be easy to come out and say JDL's the guy, and maybe it's gamesmanship. Maybe Delora will be the guy. I don't think that's the gamesmanship. I think the gamesmanship is not yeah. announcing Fafita, not not announcing Delora. Well, and it's. <laughs> it's it's one thing to have Noah Fafita look decent in a loss or two, and it's another thing to, for him to look r- really good and developing week to week, and then just mm-hmm. throttling a ranked team on the road in a place where a lot of teams don't win in, in Pullman. It's a tough place to play. You know, ask Wisconsin, right? Ask mm-hmm. uh, was the was the Oregon State uh, was that in Pullman? I, I don't I can't remember. I don't remember, but you know. That's the one, to, you know, our our two opponents. Uh, the, that's Oregon State's uh, one loss this year was to that Washington State team. So right? by transitive properties, Arizona's going to win by at least thirty eight, right? Uh, I think so. And you know, if if uh, what did they hold them to, them to rushing wise, like a couple dozen yards? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if that holds up against uh, this this Oregon State matchup. But you know. I mean, there's there's also implications beyond the rest of the season and into next season because, like, if if you go back to JDL, does that do you lose Noah Fafita a little bit? And then if you lose Noah Fafita, do you lose T Mac or somebody or in the, sure. in the world of NIL? And oh, it, I'm it, glad it's not my decision to make. Yeah, but uh, to the extent that Jed Fish should have the pulse of his team and understand, and can he manage his egos? Maybe Delora understands. Like, hey, like, I mean, supposedly, I from I was reading like Noah Fafita's family, like they love Jaden Delora. Like, there's no hard feeling. Like they. They think the world of Jade and Delora, mm-hmm. and Delora probably thinks the world of Noah Fafita. So does he accept that and say, you know what? Noah's played great. Like my little brother, let him have his opportunity. And then at the end of the season, you know, if he's the guy, then Delora either goes pro or transfers one more time somewhere else and says, you know, I'll get my shot somewhere else. I appreciate my time at Arizona. Like I got beat out for the job. Like he might think that way. I don't know Jade and Delora. I'm sure he's a, I mean, he's a great competitor and he wants to win. Obviously, he thinks he can make plays and he probably can. But would he accept that? Maybe. And be like, yep, I'll be the backup for the rest of the season to my guy Noah, and I'll be ready to play if I need to go in. Like, entirely possible it works out that way. And everybody's like, hey, great. But yeah. there is the idea, too, that if you go back to Delora, and again, if you go back to Delora, what if he struggles? How 
how long of a leash does he have? You know? But if you go to well, Fafita, then he's got to be your guy no matter what, unless he gets hurt. I don't think you can go well, to Fafita. He has a little bit of a rough patch and you go back to Delora. I don't, it's a lot easier to go from Delora to Fafita than it is go from Fafita back to Delora, I think. I was going to say, like, if if he comes out and throws for four first quarter interceptions, like a la Mississippi State with JDL, do you think that, like, he has that long of a leash? Fafita? Yeah. I would think so if you make this change, because you're making this change not because you think, oh, it's, you know, it's close, because you think that's your guy. And just as Delora was the guy against Mississippi State, which is why the change wasn't made, if you've determined that Noah Fafita is your quarterback, your QB1, then he should get that same latitude. Absolutely. And maybe there's a chance they didn't realize Fafita would be this good this soon, right? Maybe if they, it's not like, maybe it is kind of like a little bit of a Khalil Tate, Brandon Dawkins situation where they're like, oh, this guy can actually play. He's ready. And they didn't know that against Mississippi State. And had they known that, maybe they would have made a change earlier. But I think once you make that decision to bench your incumbent, and if it has nothing to do with injury, you are benching him, then it's a lot harder to go back to him unless you have to. Because I think you need to give Fafita that confidence, that leash, that lure to say, you are the quarterback, it's your team, go. I think you're probably right. My my gut tells me that there's going to be a time at the rest of the assuming they go with no Fafita for the rest of the season. My gut tells me there's going to be we're going to see JDL on the field again this season, and I have a feeling it'll be an, an important moment, and we'll see how that plays out. You know, I'm well, not knowing our luck, Delore's going to start Saturday, throw six touchdowns, and they'll be like, <laughs> "Well, I mean, if <laughs> I just want everybody to have a nice time and our quarterback to have a six to zero touchdown to interception ratio, Adam, like, don't care which that's, one it is, right? <laughs> that's so much to ask. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I do not think that's too much. But that's it's it's certainly like we'll see on Saturday, unless Jed Fish announces something before then. It's not a bad situation. Like when Jed Fish does say he thinks he has two good quarterbacks, like he's not wrong. He has two quarterbacks he knows he can win with. He has two quarterbacks he knows he can rely on. He knows he has two quarterbacks who can move the football and put up some points. And they also they have, you know, Michael Wiley looks like he's coming back. Well, is he the guy? Or is Jonah Coleman, who's been just on a tear, should he be the starting running back? Or does it matter as much at running back compared to a quarterback? I don't know. But it seems like Arizona coming out of the bye as healthy as they've been. I think Jeff Fisher, they expect to have everybody available in this game, which is good. That's where you want to be coming out of the bye with the stretch they have coming up. And yeah, like it's it's starting to look like the talented roster we thought they would have at the beginning of the season. The defense has been better than we expected. And hopefully that continues because Oregon State obviously is a different type of offense than what Washington State was and what USC was and what Washington was or what everybody else Arizona's played as. I mean, those weren't the only games they played good defense. But, you know, for Arizona, if they can continue to build on what they've started the la- you know the last few weeks before the bye week, this is a team that should win more games. And I know the schedule's not easy. It's just the way the Pac-12 was this season. But like, there should be really good confidence. And I don't think it changes if Delora was the core. I think I still have confidence that they can win. Like Six wins should be within reach, and that's the expectation now, right? I think six wins is the, the well, lowest the minimum, But like a bowl game yeah. is the expectation, right? If they do not get to six wins, it now becomes a disappointment. Yeah, preseason, if they ended up five and seven looking really competitive in all these games, I think a large percentage of the fan base would have said that's acceptable. Like bummer, but acceptable. At this point, when you're four and three, have you you've already gone through a large chunk of the gauntlet part of your schedule. Five and seven now would be a disaster. Yeah, right? three of your last five games are at home. 
and and one of them is against the uh, cellar cellar dwelling Arizona State that somehow almost the two road games, yeah, yeah, and well, they almost you know that that Washington almost tripped over themselves into uh, giving ASU a game, but well, they tried. Oh, they yeah, they tried to lose that real hard. Um, it's and you know I think you know Utah has a great defense, but their offense is atrocious with Cam Rising out. Uh, they are Colorado has some good skilled guys, but nothing in the trenches, and they look well, beatable. They've, you know, you know, our listeners know how much I like to talk about depth and what it means when you have it and what it means when you don't. Colorado filled their roster with a bunch of transfers. That's not a way to get depth. That's a way to get talent at the starting lineup and and then bodies after that. And this point in the season, they're struggling. Arizona has developed a lot of depth. They've had you know, a third of their offense out at any given game in the last three weeks. And people are talking about them being better than they have been in years. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just a different thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you look at it where, cause like last year, Arizona got to their fifth win or their fourth win with like two games left. Right. It was with Washington state and with ASU. That was it. They had to win both those games by beating UCLA late in the season. They gave themselves an outside chance to get to six. They got housed by Washington state and Tucson. When you get to four wins with this point in the season, with three home games left, with the two road games being at Colorado and at Arizona State, both winnable, Arizona's going to be favored in the like either favored in those games or no worse than like probably you know five point underdogs if like Colorado, they should be favored over ASU. ASU's not any good, but yeah, it's an interesting position to be in because Jed Fish has never he's never had a quarterback controversy. Like to deal with a quarterback, a real quarterback decision. Like you could say his first year when he went with Gunnar Cruz and then Will Plummer and but like that. Come on, not <laughs> like con- this. The right? controversy was they didn't have any quarterback, right? And last year, of course, Delora was the guy and he stayed healthy, and that was that. But he has the expectations which he hasn't had since he got to Arizona, and it's because of the work he and his staff have done. Like, of course, they wanted to get to this point. But you have the expectations. You have a quarterback decision that will make a huge difference, most likely, one way or the other, how the season goes if you meet those expectations. <laughs> like it's, it's a different environment for Arizona football than we've seen in years. And I'm interested to see how, that, how the team handles it. I think the bye week came at a good time because it's like, okay, send, get healthy and chill, right? The, the emotions from the big win at Washington State, they get to kind of they get to enjoy that and come back down and get back to work because it'll be easy to be like ride that and be like, yeah, we did it. And then you come out and lay an egg. Having that extra time now, of course, Oregon State's coming up a bye as well, so Arizona's no healthier than they are. But I do like that Arizona, for this back half of this season, comes with the bye, playing good football, knowing that, yeah, they have a chance to do something that hasn't been done in six years, five years, six years, since 2017. I wonder how that's going impa- to impact them, their mentality, right? When you're, I mean, they're not the hunted. That's certainly not the case. It's even still, like Oregon State, UCLA are ranked, Utah's ranked, Colorado's Colorado. But there's a little bit of a different mindset when it comes to judging this program, doing this program, I mean, after the Washington State game, they were like in everybody's, you know, big time teams list. Jed Fish is like the big time coaches list. Like they're starting to get some love. Well, it's Arizona's having the problems and expectations of an honest to God football program. Adam. <laughs> and it's like, weird. We're not used to it. And like, you know, I, I've been thinking about it that this game feels not, um, not necessarily an inflection point for the season, but more of potentially one for the program itself, right? Because like in years past, Arizona teams, football or otherwise, really struggle once there's some actual expect like high expectations. Yeah, um, that's great. 
and it's 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 not been a it's not been a lot, a very good track record but the way this program has been built from the foundation up since Jedfish came from the lines out with with the level of depth that they have you know it doesn't feel like a flash in the pan kind of situation where that like the Washington State game was a fluke uh but then again Oregon State's a really good team right they're num- what ranked number 11 i think right now um <laughs> If if they go get run out of this at home, it's going to be a, as deflating as uh you know it it won't be as deflating as the uh, Scooby Wright comeback game on ESPN that went real poorly that I drove back from a wedding for and that was rough. Um, oh, <laughs> it, but if they if they even if they don't win this game if they're very competitive against a really good Oregon State team, that's a lot of games in a row against some seriously talented Pac-12 teams that. Arizona is, Arizona is no longer the, uh, you know, they've suffered a little bit, I think, of people not paying attention to them and there's not, they, they think that they're still the team that lost 20 in a row, right? And now I think they've been good enough for long enough on national TV enough. Uh, you know, that Washington State game was, what, 4.30 in the afternoon. Even East Coasters got to watch some of that, right? Um, or at least got to see the scroll on the on the score of whatever the game they were watching while they were still awake. That People are starting to pay attention and starting to put some respect on Jed Fish and Arizona's names, like you said. But we'll see how how well this relatively young team handles that expectation, and see if this is really a, a shift for the the direction of the program in the long term. Certainly, and Brett, let's take a break. When we come back, let's take a little bit more of a deep dive into Oregon State because this isn't your father's beavers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And Brett, you mentioned it like Oregon State is ranked 11th. And I don't know if Arizona is at that point, like coming off the three games they're coming off of. I think losing this game would hurt. And even if it's competitive, I think there's an expectation that they win. I know Arizona's like a four point underdog or something like that. Oregon State, I think the problem is that they're not flashy like Washington was. Everybody's like, oh, Washington, like these guys are really good. Or USC, it's like, oh, Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. Apparently, USC is not as good as we thought. But they have this vibe, this aura of being really good teams. That, hey, if Arizona can just compete with them, they did a thing. Oregon State might be better than USC. Might even be better than Washington, depending on matchups and everything. But they just don't have that same, like, oomph, right? They don't have the flash. And that's the type of program I think Arizona is trying to be, like Oregon State, like a Utah. Not flashy, but good up front. Solid, of course, with DJ Ugalele at quarterback. Now they have a little bit more of a passing game than they used to. I think it's a, I mean, it's a big game no matter what, but I don't think a close loss helps Arizona coming out of the bye with the momentum they've had. I really don't. I, th- I think that's a fair perspective. It's just a lot of pressure to put on a team that has, you know, won 10 games in the last four seasons combined. Right, but it's a lot um, of different players, right? How many of these players oh, sure. were on the team two years ago, let alone last season? I mean, but this is an Oregon State team that a couple of weeks ago beat Utah pretty handily. They beat UCLA. Uh, you know, they 
curb stomped San Diego State. <laughs> Some other te- the only team they've lost to was Washington State and Pullman, thirty-eight to thirty-five. And it's, how embarrassing! I mean, Jesus, guys, do you even play football? <laughs> um, they're they're well, a really good football team. Yeah. They've been built. They've been building to what Arizona's trying to do. They've been doing it for you know a couple of years head start on Arizona in terms of yeah. getting that program back on track, and now they're top fifteen team. Well, and, and they have that little extra oomph of motivation of being future Pac-2 champions. <laughs> um, but the thing that I'm perhaps most interested in this matchup, you know, we talked a lot last week and in, in the recent weeks of Johnny Nansen's staff, like coming up with a really good game plan and executing it and having the bodies to do that, which is just a weird thing to say for an Arizona defense. This Oregon State offense is a completely different type of challenge from like Washington State or USC, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, it's like, I feel like they have the the horses that they can, you know, this could be the Justin Flo game, right? Like the, you, you go tackle the running back every time. Like that's all you do. And you have, they uh, Washington State has, or Washington State, Oregon State has, you know, some okay receivers, but they're, they're kind of the old Rich Rod height guys. Are those are they going to get swallowed up by Takario Davis and Efficiency Price Sock? And does that mean you can, you know, just go put them on an island with one safety deep and then turn the linebackers loose on the run game? Maybe. It certainly seems like the improvements Arizona made defensively just to beef up the defensive line and the linebacker crew. Like this is the type of team they were made for, which doesn't make sense when most of the conference plays a different style. <laughs> but in terms of like what Arizona's strength defensively has been, I mean, granted, it's been most of the defense, which is another weird thing to say. Like, I don't know what I mean, even like Gunnar Maldonado's played well the last couple of weeks. But Arizona's beefed up defensive line, which has a rotation of guys, right? They can cycle guys in all throughout the game. Their linebackers, especially with a Justin Flow. It certainly seems like a good matchup for them in that regard. Now, granted, Oregon State's really good at what they do, right? Damian Martinez averaging 6.4 yards a carry, 676 yards on 105 carries and three touchdowns. Like, they run the ball with him. Deshaun Fenwick, 382 yards, averaging 5.7 yards a carry. They run the football. Can Arizona slow them down? Like, Arizona's been pretty good against their run. I forget what the stat was. Like, they're, they're giving up under 100 yards a game against their run. And they've played some teams that aren't – they're playing against some – they've played some offenses that don't run the ball well, sure. But – Last year, the year before, everyone ran the ball well against Arizona, whether they actually could run the ball or not. Like the run defense is for real for Arizona. So yeah, in theory, and if you can turn them into a team, like I don't know, like I think Hugo is a solid quarterback. He hasn't had to do, he hasn't had to win games for them. The question is, if Arizona can take away the running game or make it, make it a slog for Oregon State and turn the Beavers into a more of a passing team, does that open up opportunities for that secondary, which finally got interceptions a couple of weeks ago, right? Like I. I don't think Oregon State's one-dimensional, but there's certainly a way they like to play. And if you can take that away from them or make it really difficult, yeah, maybe you have a chance over there. I, th- I, th- I think that's what you have to do. I think you have to take away their biggest strength, which is their running game, Damian Martinez, as best as possible. Try to make uh, DJU beat you. I think you can then try to... I th- History has shown that you can confuse DJU by like mixing up coverages too. Like Maybe you go man a few times, so you go zone, you do some zone blitzes. Uh, and given the different looks that Arizona's defense has shown over the last handful of weeks, it's fair to wonder how many looks they'll throw at Oregon State. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm actually really curious to watch that. And they have the depth on the D-line to rotate guys. They have the linebacking crew has looked really good. This could be a big game for Jacob Manu, 
Um, maybe maybe most of all because he's the most versatile linebacker they have on the field. You know, it's it might even be a game where you see, uh, um, you know, some more. You're not going to see the quarter defense. Um, and I'm blanking on the name. The the freshman corner or uh, safety from Chandler. You oh, Genesis more, Smith. Yeah, Genesis Smith. Like, let him play free safety back there because he's probably got the most athleticism. You know, DJU doesn't doesn't have a lot of touch on the in between passes. Um, I'm I'm really curious to see how the adjustments happen in this game. Cause like if Arizona has any success in slowing down Damian Martinez in the running game, how does Oregon state counter? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I don't think they can go deep over the corners. Um, with that, and they got those I smaller think. receivers, smaller, quicker receivers, Arizona's big corners who aren't slow. Can they press them at the line? Can they slow things down? Can they make up ground on some of those throws or are they just going to be run around and, you know, be out quick? We'll see. Yeah. I, <laughs> I wonder if they may, may try to do some of the crossing routes to try to, you know, drag routes yeah. to try to open it up. But then that's where DJU's not been great. And that's where you might get some deflected passes, a, you know, a linebacker catching interception or a tip pass going into the, the, the waiting hands of Gunnar Maldonado. You know, it's it's going to be an interesting thing. It's got to start with stopping the run. Uh, and then I'm, I'm also curious to see if Arizona, you know, they started to, we talked like a, a few weeks ago that Arizona didn't really have an identity at least offensively. And I feel like they've started to get that a little bit with Noah Fafita, uh, where it's, it's, it's poking, prodding and taking what the defense is giving you and not necessarily just like the gunslinger mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it's being very, it's like, it's, it's the offense. Jed fish wants to run, right? It's that, it's that clever NFL, you know, relatively low risk. Some, you know, try to manufacture some big plays. Uh, and, and, no is executing it and Arizona's defense has an identity where they're they're getting home with three or four pass rushers right and good coverage you know I'm curious to see if that is the case uh if Arizona stops the run I'm not sure they they can get through this O-line with three or four guys maybe there's a, a delayed blitz or two in there um it's it's just going to be a really fun matchup and I hope it's a fun game and I hope it's a fun game because Arizona blows them out <laughs> I'm I doubt that'll happen I think they it's going to be probably very competitive and very fun and my but my Arizona fandom just has this horrible part of me that thinks like oh what if no Fita has a terrible game and they get blown out at home with all this hype because I've been conditioned for that sure well it's a possibility right because Arizona the last few weeks I mean Fafita had interceptions his first two starts but there was that you know it was possible where the mistakes did happen and you would hope, and the expectation, of course, is that as you get better and more into the offense and everything, those mistakes don't happen. But yeah, Arizona is very capable of losing this game because they're playing against a good opponent. And it could come down to who wins the turnover battle. Like it might be a pretty even match, but you consider strength for strength, weakness for weakness. Is like what Arizona should be better at against on defense is what Oregon State wants to do offensively. Like that's an interestingly fun matchup. And then Arizona's offense, of course, against Oregon State's defense with the idea that Arizona's offense is trying to build and trying to create in terms of just playing sound, fundamental football, taking what the defense gives you and not making mistakes. You know, they're a tipped ball or a jump route away from disaster. And that goes for Oregon State as well. So it seems like the type of game where it's, you know, two teams who don't want to, they're not necessarily big play offenses, but they're efficient offenses with solid defenses. Who's going to make mistakes? Who's going to get a turnover? Who's going to get that, you know, fourth and 30 punt after a sack or strip sack and get really good field position and play that type of game. 
I do think Fafita is more patient in terms of not putting the ball in danger than Delora is. So he might be the better quarterback for a game like that, where it's like, hey, just don't make mistakes. Let the defense do its job. Run the football. You know, just be patient. I hope that works because I do think that's Arizona's best chance of success in terms of winning football or at least winning this game. Like, I mean, you, you probably can't outscore Oregon State. Like, they don't want to be in a shootout. They're probably more capable of being in one than they were in years past, but they don't want to do that. They want to run the ball. They want to kind of hold you down defensively. They want to win the same way Arizona wants to win. So it's a, I think it's a really fun matchup, of course, then with the expectations and what this game could mean. Like, you win this game, then wow. <laughs> like, then you're in really, really good shape going forward. But well, and, you're, and you're ranked, and you probably should be ranked yeah. higher than you are. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, there's. It's not like they're gonna be ranked top ten, or they have playoff implications, or anything like that. But it's a really big game. They're at home. How do they come? It's a night game again. Um, like, how do they come out against a team that is not gonna make the mistakes, or doesn't? You know, they're not known for making the mistakes that Arizona's kind of feasted on the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Arizona's gonna have to beat Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Oregon State is unlikely to beat themselves. Yep, but it, it's that simple, right? You know, you look at this and you, <laughs> on paper, it's like you can you can see like, oh, this feels like a really fun matchup that Arizona, you know, Fafita is the perfect match. Like you said, he's the perfect quarterback to try to take what the defense gives you. Don't make mistakes. And so on paper, it seems like it's going to be a pretty good matchup for Arizona. Of course, that's why you play the game. And college football has a way of uh, what you think is going to happen on paper doesn't play out. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, what do you... My prediction will be on azdesertswarm.com, of course, but I kind of, you know, thinking about it, I, I kind of see, I think I, I have Arizona winning. I, I, I think they come out focused. I think they come out fired up, but ready to win this game. Like this team, more than any other Arizona team, I think is ready in terms of the mentality. You know, you look at the, the young guys that are playing. They came from winning programs. I know Jed Fish talked about that with purpose. They went out and got high school kids who played at winning programs. The transfers they brought in, especially defensively, have played in some big games. They, you know, This isn't the first time they've played with expectations. I think they're ready to win a game like this. And you do win this game. I have them winning 34-27. But like you win a game like this, it does send that message. You are ranked, or at least you definitely should be. And you put yourself in position to have, a, I don't want to say special season, but contextually a special season. <laughs> it feels special for us, Adam. Right. If they win seven while. games, it's not the type of thing you'd write home about. But for Arizona, if they can get to seven wins, that's a special season. So I, I do think they win this game, though. I think Arizona comes out and plays a good football game. I think the defense does what it wants to do for the most part. You know, you're not going to shut them down to six points like they did Washington State. But I think they're going to do enough to keep the offense you know, within striking distance. And Arizona's going to pull away at the end. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been going back and forth on this. The only thing I can feel confident is I feel like it's going to be a like a three point game one way or the other. Uh, I don't think there's a high likelihood of Arizona blowing Oregon State out. It's probably a slightly more chance of the other, <laughs> unfortunately, just because I'm conditioned as an Arizona fan. Mm-hmm. Fair. Um, I'm gonna go with 27 to 24, Arizona. Last second field goal or. Uh, a how about how about this a a field goal to put them up and the defense holds them away from a a, a field goal attempt and they lose on uh, Oregon State tries a, a hail mary at the end because they can't kick a field goal and it is unsuccessful. So basically, they turn it over on downs or yeah. just as the clock expires. Clock expires. Yeah. Oh wow, okay, that'd be stressful, especially if they're within <laughs> hail mary range. <laughs> I'm 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 just uh, it, that feels like the you know 
the 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 clinch that an Arizona fandom uh, expects. <laughs> fair, fair, but yeah, it's it's a big game. It's obviously the biggest. I mean, I think it probably has to be considered bigger than the Washington State game last year, which was like obviously you win that game, you still have bold chances. But just where Arizona's at in this season, it's not a miracle. It's not like a well, if they can do this, then it's like no, if they do this, then they could do a lot of things. You know, like they are in position. It's not the second to last week of the season where you just have to win your last two to make a bowl. You're middle of the season. Like win this game against another ranked team, and it just shows that everything you did the previous three games is for real, and it's just you're building on that, which sets you up really nicely the rest of the way. So it is a huge game. It might be the biggest game in Tucson in a while, right? Man, I'm trying to think what's the biggest one since then. Uh, like obviously, beating ASU last year was nice, but it wasn't a huge game. Not like with you know, season-ish implications like this well, one could well, have. And Not the inflection wa- point, like you said, this game you don't think is, but I think it kind of might be. When the Washington State game last year was more like, well, you know, they could win this and then beat ASU and make a bowl game, and that'd be great. Um, this is different. It's it. This is going to show you whether the slope of the line of the progress you've seen during the season is for real, and maybe more importantly, whether the slope of the line year-to-year is for real. Um, because, like, if you win this game, you're set up to make a it's a big step up you know it's it's not that hard to go from one in 11 to four or five wins it's actually a bigger leap to get Mm -hmm. up to seven or eight um and it's even a bigger one to get you know nine or ten plus right let's not get greedy well i'm just but the slope of that line is it's it's a it's it's a it's a it's a a curve that gets harder the harder the higher up you go adam so this is a this is a big step it is well the game starts at 7 30 p.m arizona time it's on espn another late one so Arizona, Oregon State, number 11, Oregon State, should be a fun one. But let's take one more break. and we come back, a lot has happened with Arizona athletics, with people who have attachments to Arizona athletics over the last week, including some basketball. And let's talk about it with some news and notes. Welcome back, Wildcat Radio 2.0, otherwise known as the Kevin Ginkle Show. I think the Kevin Ginkle Appreciation Show, right? I mean, it is this week. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not the most important thing to happen with Arizona athletics over the last week. But of course, former Arizona pitcher Kevin Ginkle was almost like turned into a, a little bit of a cult hero with Arizona Diamondbacks fans as he pitched just lights out in the National League Championship Series, including in the Game 7 victory over the Philadelphia Phillies that sent the Diamondbacks to the World Series. So that's, that's just cool. Yeah, when you when you I, I was trying to come up with something clever when you uh, when you said that initially, and I couldn't come up with anything off the top of my head. That that's okay. Brett no with. one expects you to come up with clever things, Brett. They've been listening to this show long enough. It's it's I mean, fine. To be fair, what rhymes with Ginkle? <laughs> Ray Finkel. <laughs> Laces out, Adam. <laughs> oh, that's it. I thought you had yeah. more than that. Oh no, Laces. <laughs> well, this is already off to a rock and start, but yeah, good luck to Ginkle and the rest of the Diamondbacks in the World Series. I think, I, mean, I imagine most of our listeners are rooting for them. And that's just a lot of fun—a surprise, a surprise visit to the World Series. Like they absolutely deserve to be there. But of course, no one expects that of them. Um, other Arizona guys in the pros, might just stick with that. Lucas Habersick signed with the Rams, so that's cool. Yeah, he's got he's got the leg for it. He strikes me kind of like the Nick Folk. Like range of like guys who obviously had the leg. They weren't great college kickers, but they have the ability to become really good kickers because like there's things that they have that other kickers just can't do. So he gets refined that. And obviously, I think Haversick was with the Colts before. He's kind of bouncing around, but it seems like if he can stick and just kind of become more consistent, 
There's no reason why he can't have a nice long career. Nick Folk's career is amazing that he's still kicking in the NFL. Because I remember him in college. He wasn't that great. <laughs> and he's turned into like one of the better like long-term NFL kickers. So maybe well, Havericks like, can go on the same path. I mean, it's kind of like if you've got the leg strength, it's kind of like a quarterback with enough arm strength that an NFL guy will always a, – a, a GM will give that – you know, Jeff George could probably still get a contract because he's got a strong <laughs> arm. Like that guy was all potential and nobody could ever put it together. Um, but, you know, there's some kickers that can put it together. And, you know, if, if this is now your only craft, like I'm pretty sure Haversick was a pretty smart student. And, you know, if he's getting paid enough money to do this and do this all day, every day, maybe he can refine himself and and, and, and stick around. Certainly hope he does. Um, some more basketball news. Zeke Naji and Josh Green both got new contracts. Congrats to them. Love to see. I mean, they each went there for one year, and it wasn't exactly an eventful year given the, I guess, COVID decided to shut down their tournament chances. But good to see X Wildcats getting that second contract and making some good money. Um, yeah, neither one of them has been lights out in the NBA, but each has kind of gotten better over the last few years and carved out roles on some pretty good teams. So you love to see it. Yeah, I mean, they're they're fitting the path of what you kind of expect a mid to late first rounder to do most of the time, right? Where it's mm-hmm. They're good enough where people want to invest some money in them, and then they see enough progression that they want to invest more money in them, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that's just the way the the NBA is right now. Um, and gosh, you had to remind me that I was really curious to watch that team in March. Uh, I was too. They had the potential to do really good things and also just flame out in the first round. Yeah, it, but they were going to be really interesting to watch. They would have been. Um, <laughs> Where else? There's a lot of news and notes. You want to go with the one downside? Of course, Kevin Sumlin found himself in the news. Not great. Um, I don't have much else to say other than I hope he gets whatever help he needs. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. And I would just say maybe uh, not the right time for people to take cheap shots and jokes at him. Oh, I think there's been a lot of dancing on that grave, so to speak, and it's not it's not cool. Like I get that the program cratered under him, Arizona football, and from what I've heard and all that stuff about how his own personal issues led to that or played a role in that. But like he's a human being and it just hope he gets the help he needs. No reason to celebrate this or anything like that. And I, I don't know. I, I only heard from various media types that he was a wonderful human being. Um, and he clearly has some demons and some problems and needs to get some help. Um, so wish him well. Absolutely. We do wish him the best. Um, what else? We got um, some basketball, right? Arizona men had an exhibition last week. The women had an exhibition tonight as we record. Both look good. Of course, the men got to a bit of a slow start and then turn it on. Um, I don't know if you can take too much from it. Arizona was missing a few key guys in that game. Of course, like Dylan Anderson got the start. He played quite a bit. Uh, I know Paulius Moroskis, he played a lot of power forward and did not play well. And Tommy Woods like, yeah, he doesn't. he's never played that position before. <laughs> so a chance to play, a chance to toy with the lineups, of course, with a team that's as deep as Arizona bas- men's basketball looks to be, there's time to experiment and try to find the right combinations of guys in different places. Like, you have time to do that. It's I'm fine with that. But Caleb Love looked good in his first game, looked efficient, looked like the type of player Arizona's hoping to get. Of course, Colin Boswell looked good, which wasn't a surprise. So, yeah, really excited about men's basketball yeah i i actually think that the biggest thing to take away from this is getting maraska some run at the four because i think, think? That that's i think that when teams go small and if like shaw johnson gets hurt or in foul trouble because you're not going to put crevas uh and Balo out there at the same time i don't think right like they're both true centers they need you know where else are you going to turn for for depth at the four so to me i think that's 
he that's a, a path to minutes for him um, that may not be there on the wing as much. Okay. Um, so I think that that is a, a, a worthy experiment and experience uh, getting. And I, you know, Caleb Love is looking like what we're hoping for. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you caught the athletic had a great story on him. I don't know if the, our listeners got a chance to read it on the athletic about Caleb love. It was a pretty good read and it, it's, it's kind of a refreshing thing. And you know, it's a, it's a bit of a different narrative than was sold when he left North Carolina. Right. No, I, I'm, I was confident in the audition. I think he knows that this is a really good chance to improve his stock and get to where he wants to go. Um, I know KJ Lewis had a nice debut, 13 points in the game. But Caleb had 23 points in 24 minutes. Philly B. Got some run. That's a guy that intrigues me going to this. Like a lot of the roster intrigues, but Philly B, he seemed like in the offseason and some of the tournaments he was playing in and in the overseas exhibitions, like that, that he was a guy who obviously could be a mismatch with his height and shooting ability, which are both things that you could really use on a college basketball floor. You know, guys who can hit from the outside, especially at his size, and maybe be a bit of a mismatch. I don't, he's not going to start. He's probably not a 20 minute a game guy, but if he can give you eight to 10 minutes a game, and hit a couple of shots or stretch the floor a little bit for a Caleb Love to get at the bucket or a Kalen Boswell to get to the bucket or a Numar Bala to do work down low. Like That's just another piece, like another weapon that Tommy Lloyd has, another way he can create a lineup that's going to cause problems. Yeah, and I, I think the same point applies that I had with Moraskis to Philly B because I think he's a guy that if you have a super athletic three on the wing, I'm not sure he's going to be able to guard him. He's not the mm-hmm. athlete that KJ Lewis is. Uh, but he has, you know, enough height where he could be a really fascinating stretch four that just opens things up and gets a few minutes on the court. Um, and you know, I, I know he looked, like you said, he looked good in some of the the, the international games that he was playing in. Um, he's he's an intriguing guy, uh, and he was, I think, pretty young and raw when when he came over. But he's he's got some skill. I'm my, I want to see him get more minutes against real athletes as he gets more physically mature because I'm just not sure he has. I'm not sure who he can guard if, to be that's and that's my only concern i think offensively he's a great player totally fair and that's what you have to see right can is he a liability on one side of the floor and if he is is he so much of a i guess a benefit on the other to make up for it or is he just not going to find minutes most nights we'll see um, of course arizona men's basketball their next game is an exhibition against new mexico highlands on october 30th so that's next monday and then the regular season starts with morgan state on november 6th uh, the arizona women had an exhibition game tonight as i was saying as we're recording um, I know they won. I'm trying to pull up the score here right now. Um, 103 to 58. And I know it's a team. It's not as I forget where they were ranked in the Pac-12 media poll. I want to say it was like sixth or something like that. You know, not particularly high, but we know they've had a lot of changes from last year's roster. And I also understand that when it comes to an idea Barnes team, you never want to count them out because they tend to play hard. And if they have depth, they have talent and they play hard, they'll be pretty good. Well, and- I'd, I'd caution you and our listeners to also, you know, I think they're picked fifth or sixth in the pack, but also go look at how many teams from the pack. The are pack is good. Yeah. In the top 15 or top 20, let alone top 25. Like it's, it's, you know, there's, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a, a really good swan song season for women's basketball in, in the pack 12. It usually is. And of course, like it's just one exhibition game against a clearly overmatched opponent, but Kaylin Gilbert had 24 points. Alana Poyo had 20. Esri Martinez, 18. Mayanaji, 15. The players you'd expect to lead the way led the way. So if that can be consistent, obviously they need to build that depth. But I would expect Arizona women's basketball to be quite good again this season. Um, of course, I know soccer did some things over the weekend too, or the last week. So I'm not going to pretend that I watched it or know much about it, but I know they. Played what USC to a draw, 
which is good. Like you like to see that. But Brett, is there anything else that I miss? Anything else that we need to get into? I, I think you. I think we got it all, Adam. That was a lot of stuff. Yeah, lots of lots of newsy no tea times. <laughs> and of course, we'll see. We are recording Wednesday, so we'll see what happens Thursday, Friday before the football game Saturday. Maybe Jed Fish will announce the quarterback. You know, it's probably Britton Dorman just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's ready to <laughs> to play, ready to lead the way, just to mess with everybody. But no, Arizona football against Oregon State Saturday, seven thirty. Of course, the big thing we're looking forward to this weekend, but. Yeah. Um, might as well wrap up the show here. Of course, you can find us on the social medias at Wildcat Radio AZ is the handle on the X machine. Um, again, that's Twitter for those of you who don't want to call it X. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, on iTunes. If Subscribe to us on both of those. If you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. We'll read that review on the air. Brett, I don't think we have any new ones this week, right? Unfortunately, we do not. We do not. Hey, people do that. Leave a review and also shoot us a note on at Wildcat Radio AZ. Like, ask us a question. We'd be happy to answer it on the show. Um, But otherwise, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.